Christian Blood, KTSA News. A bit windy, and here comes some hot air. Here it comes. Get ready. <laughs> I don't want to brag, but we have a lot to talk about on this show today. You know, I'll you can say what you want, but this is not one of those shows that just talks about one thing all the time, same thing every day. Uh, you know, you, 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 you can kind of tell where they're going to go as soon as they get started. we got a lot to get into here. You're always welcome to join us at 210 Five nine nine fifty five fifty five. We've got three hours, or however long um, they allow us to stay on the air. So, I'm a little confused about why uh, conservative media are obsessing about the fact that President Biden is not going to do a Super Bowl interview. This is really, really lame, guys, because the presidential interview on Super Bowl Sunday is like the the least popular thing. First of all, I think we all know the most overhyped broadcast event of our lives every year is the Super Bowl. I'm not talking about the game. I'm talking about the hours and hours and hours of hyperventilating that whichever network has the Super Bowl does in order to accommodate and feature all the commercials and sponsors. And so they do hours of pre, you know, and, and, and apparently at some point somebody thought, well, we've got everything else going on. We've got jugglers and high wire acts and dancing elephants. Let's, let's do a presidential interview. So they threw that in and that became a tradition. They talk about it like, like, like George Washington was doing it, you know, it's a tradition that the president doesn't interview before the Super Bowl. Really, why? You know, why? So, for the second year, Biden is not doing it. It's no mystery why. And no one's missing it. No one's going to miss it. You're not going to miss it. You're not going to feel less entertained on Sunday. You're not going to be walking around the house feeling like something is missing in your life. I just don't I, I don't I just don't care, you know. If he did do the interview, we in conservative media would be parsing it and picking it apart and saying he lied here and he slurred his words there and so he's not doing it and uh, who cares? Move on and we're going to do that. I want to actually give the president credit. You heard me right. I want to give credit to not only Joe Biden but to the Democrats on something because I think this is something we have to acknowledge. Credit where credit is due. There's a talking point or a narrative going around right now from the president and members of his party saying that every time the Republicans get up on their hind legs, every time they fight back, every time they get a little feisty or try to, that is ascribed to Donald Trump. They're only talking tough on the border because Trump put them up to it. They're only trying to impeach Mayorkas because they're afraid of Trump. Everything they do and how they vote in the House and the Senate is because they're afraid Trump will give them a nickname or primary them. Well, you know, I think he may be right about that. Because if you think about the Republicans in recent years, let's talk about like the 2000s, were these Republicans, would you describe them as fighters? Were you describe them as 
feisty? Would you describe them as spines of steel? No. No. You think about the confirmation battles for Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Barrett. Those were driven by President Trump. Not only did he nominate those candidates, but he made it very clear, don't come back to me and say you want another candidate. Don't come back to me and say you're asking the nominee to withdraw his or her name. This is who I want. I want this passed. You've got the numbers. You've got the the votes, and I want it passed. I want it done. And see, Republicans would rather not fight. They would rather compromise. They would rather be praised for bipartisan deals. They just want to ride their elevators in peace, right? They don't want people yelling at them and stuff like that. They don't like it. So when the Democrats say Republicans are only acting the way they are right now because of Trump, I'm afraid that's probably true. I'm afraid that's probably true. Republicans are only doing their job as the opposition party out of fear of the former president. And that's kind of a good news, bad news scenario because it means that without him they wouldn't do it and they won't do it. Well, tell me what you think about that. 210-599-5555. While we're on the subject of actually listening to what people say, isn't it fascinating to watch the entire spin about the border turn into it is a crisis and it is the Republicans' fault? It happened so fast, you blinked and you missed it. But it went from not being a crisis. It went from, in fact, using the word crisis was racist and xenophobic. Now, oh, it's a crisis. And it's the Republicans' fault. And now it's okay to talk about the dangers of illegal immigrants and not knowing who's coming into the country. And now it's okay to talk about the crime that has uh, blossomed around these sanctuary cities. So it's okay to talk about it as long as you understand that the Republicans are to blame. And then we had the Nevada primary last night. This is complicated. I won't go into too much detail. Nevada is having a primary and caucuses. Most states have one or the other. And the caucus, I don't think, has happened yet. Trump is participating in the caucus, or his Nevada people are, and he'll probably win that. Nikki Haley decided to contest the primary, and so she was the only candidate. But she lost the Nevada primary to the phrase, none of these candidates. Voters had a choice of Nikki Haley or this disembodied alternative, as Politico.com calls it, And so last time I checked, it was roughly 60% for none of these candidates and roughly 30% for Nikki Haley. None of these candidates was the winner. It would be interesting if we had elections where there were phrases on the ballot instead of names. Because the problem with names is you, you have to know who the person is, you have to know something about their makeup or their what they're made of you have to 
You have to hope that they will remain who they claim to be once they get into office. The problem with politicians is they start out as candidates, and as candidates they're very appealing and attractive, and they smile a lot, and they tell us what we want to hear, and they say great stuff, and they have beautiful families and all this wonderful, and then they become politicians. They get in and they change. We can't help it. It just keeps happening. So what if there were phrases on the ballot and the, and the winning phrase won the election? Like, I would vote for both parties are the problem. I would vote for drain the swamp. Let's go, Brandon. I would vote for that. Liked that idea. This is kind of a sports story, and it's kind of not a sports story. The Tennessee Titans of the NFL fired their head coach, Mike Vrabel, after the end of the regular season. It was kind of surprising because he was not one of the coaches who was expected to get fired. And when he did get fired, he was then the favorite for a number of other vacancies uh, around the league, including the New England Patriots, where he had played as a player. But Mike Vrabel didn't get hired by anybody. So he lost his Tennessee job and no one else picked him up. He's riding the coaching carousel. And a publication called The Athletic has published a theory as to why Mike Vrabel didn't get hired. And this is whack. I, I, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm, I'm putting this out there because I want to talk about it, not because I think there's any any truth to it, but you see what you think. A reporter, Diana Rossini, for The Athletic says she heard from her sources. And her sources are apparently teams that interviewed Mike Vrabel. That Vrabel wasn't hired because he's a physically large man. (laughs) He's a former football player. He's a physically large man and he's physically intimidating. And he would go into a room and he would make the the regular-sized guys uncomfortable. His vast breadth and height intimidated the people who otherwise might have considered hiring him. What a stupid hypothesis. But let's just take it seriously for one minute, just for fun. Wouldn't you want your coach to be a physically intimidating person? Wouldn't you want the other team to look across the field and see on the sidelines, patrolling the other sideline, wouldn't, wouldn't you want the other team to see a guy that looked like Thor? Who, In what universe would you think, well, I don't want our coach to be scary? Who, who would think that? Why would you think that? This is like those girls on the Internet that say, no one will date me because I'm too pretty. And whenever you see that, you always know that that isn't really the reason at all. That's just the the reason they tell themselves. That's how they cry themselves to sleep or whatever. But the real reason is probably personality or manners or something like that, just obnoxious qualities that they're not willing to face. So, oh, I'm just too beautiful. So this, this theory goes that Mike Vrabel, who was a winner in Tennessee, uh, and, um, you know, Certainly didn't embarrass himself. Certainly wasn't the worst guy. The theory is he can't get a new job in a league of athletes who are all huge because he's 
he's physically big. Wasn't hired because he's physically big. It's kind of like a, it's it's almost like a snapshot of the whole thing we're doing to men and boys and masculinity. It's completely ridiculous. I, I not only do I not believe it, but if by some slim chance this is the reason, this is everything that's wrong right now. I think this this sums it up. So what what do we what do we want coaches to look like? We want them to look like Merrick Garland with a whistle around their neck. You can join the show at 210-599-5555. Did no one hire NFL coach Mike Vrabel because he's so big they're intimidated by him? And if so, what does that say? Or is that just a crazy kind of pointless, baseless story from The Athletic? I I, I want to think it is. I want to think this is just somebody grasping at straws. Boy, that doesn't... that's. That's not a very good look if that's the case. I'm not even a big Mike Vrabel fan, but I just, that's not, that makes no sense. Of course, you want your coach to be, um, and for that matter, not just your coach, but I, I, I don't believe that if you're looking for leaders and you're looking for people in a command setting or, or role, I don't believe you'd say this person is just too strong and intimidating. I guess you don't want to win. I guess you could do that, or you could say that. Uh, by the way, speaking of coaches, uh, it was announced today that ESPN has hired Nick Saban for College Game Day and some of their other shows, and that was expected. So the greatest uh, college coach of all time is working for the Sports Network now. Uh, did you hear about uh, the We Should Forgive Bud Light suggestion? Bud Light should be given a second chance. Bud Light made a mistake and paid a price, but Anheuser-Busch is not a woke company. It's a great American company, and it deserves a second chance, says Donald Trump. Writing on Truth Social, Trump says it's time to forgive Bud Light and their parent company, Anheuser-Busch. They've, they've put out a new advertising campaign. They've hired a new influencer, comedian Shane Gillis. They've paid for their mistake with Dylan Mulvaney. Um, Coincidentally, uh, Bud Light's lobbyist, or Anheuser-Busch's lobbyist, is hosting a fundraiser for Donald Trump next month. So some people think the reason he's saying that is because he kind of, you know, feels like it's quid pro quo. They're they're helping me. I'm going to help them. I I don't think this is going to help. Um, I I know that people think, and we've had callers say Trump supporters are a cult. I don't think the Trump supporters are going to drink Bud Light. I don't think the former president is going to change too many minds with this. Think about what happened with Bud Light and Anheuser Busch. It was essentially a boycott, although no one ever declared it as such and it didn't have organization as such. It was a boycott of a brand by people who had just had enough of not only what they were doing, but of seeing that wokeness everywhere they looked in corporate America, on every shelf of every product, of every kind of store. And conservatives were not given credit for even being capable of 
reacting in an organized way. We're not, because what we're not is what a lot on the left are. A lot on the left are, are followers. They're lemmings. Their highest priority is belonging, fitting in, putting the right filter on their social media, you know, profile picture. Oh, are we doing, uh, wait a minute, are we doing the rainbow flag? Are we doing the Ukraine flag? Or what are we doing now? You know, that kind of thing. My experience is that generally people who are conservative kind of rebel against the idea that we're all trying to fit in and belong and there's a, a right position. So there was always this thought that you couldn't, you would never have a conservative boycott. Well, Bud Light proved otherwise. Bud Light was exactly that. And it was successful. The company paid a very dear price. They reversed their marketing position. I mean, I, when I say successful, I'm sure there are things that people would say, well, they didn't do this and they didn't do that and they didn't. But I mean, it, it clearly left a mark and they've clearly come out of it acting differently than they were acting before. I don't know why you would now flock back to them. By the way, it's not an American company. It's a foreign company. Not that that's a reason not to use the product, but I, I, if you were if you were going to be a stickler about this, it might be an American brand, but it's not an American company. So why would the people that were ticked off at Bud Light with justification now rescue them? And I don't know that Donald Trump has offered any good explanation or reason for that. Other than I guess it's a nice thing to do. And he's got the lobbyist hosting the fundraiser. Um, I've heard people say they want an apology. I don't want an apology. I don't really want anything. I, I, I don't plan to go back to their brand. There's plenty of others. Wasn't that enthused about it to begin with? I'm not sure they really learned anything. I think, I think everything they've done and all the changes they made were really made in the name of survival. You know, they're treading water. They're trying to swim to shore. They didn't, that doesn't mean you learned anything. That's just survival. That's just instinct. So I, I never considered it a boycott personally because I wasn't using it in the first place. I have no desire or plan to go back to it. I don't think, I think there'll be plenty of people who will say, I, I, I support you, Mr. Trump. I voted for you. I will vote for you again if you're on the ballot. But I'm not taking your advice on Bud Light. What do you think about it? 210-599-5555. That's today's JR poll. Uh, do you think Bud Light deserves a second chance? That's what he said. By the way, Friday, we will kick into the weekend, Super Bowl weekend, with the dish in our 6 o'clock hour. We'll be talking restaurants in our 6 o'clock hour. Uh, on Friday, as we always do, last hour of the last show of the week, uh, 210-599-5555. There was a report today that Ronna McDaniel had uh, planned to step down as the chair of the Republican National Committee. The New York Times, among other publications, uh, had the article and talked about how she had been under pressure from uh, Trump Republicans and also historic underperformance in the last several election cycles, 
and that there was already a replacement, the chairman of the North Carolina Republican Party, a guy named Michael Watley, who Trump likes and who helped Trump win North Carolina, was going to be the new chairman. Well, then late this afternoon, uh, there was a um, release from Ronna McDaniel saying, no, that is premature. Now, I don't know if no, that is premature means, yeah, I, I'm going to step down, I just haven't done it yet. Or if they're saying it's not true at all, but that's uh, that's been kind of knocked down, at least for the time being, uh, by McDaniel herself. Let's bring into the conversation uh, Congressman Chip Roy on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. A lot we want to get into with you in these few minutes that we have, Congressman. Thank you for uh, for joining us. Do you know anything about the Ronna McDaniel story? Do you know if that's happening or not happening or... Yeah, Jack, great to be on. Hope you're well. Uh, I don't know much uh, any more than than what you guys have seen in the press. I, I actually know uh, Michael Watley. He's a good man. I uh, did an event in North Carolina for him and the North Carolina GOP last year, I think, um, uh, and with my friend uh, Dan Bishop from North Carolina and some others. And so he's, he's a great guy. Don't know the status of uh, whatever Ron is doing or not doing. I think um, the writing's on the wall a little bit, I think, in terms of the overall performance, dollars in the door, some of our concerns about making sure – election integrity is being, you know, upheld and so forth. But like, we'll see. That's, that's, that's frankly above, above my pay grade a little bit uh, in terms of, of whatever uh, I think former President Trump's going to want heading down the stretch in terms of engaging with her. So we'll see. Walk us through, if you would, please, the, the vote on the Mayorkas impeachment. D- did Republicans think they had the votes? Did they know they didn't? Was there a reason to have the vote without a sufficient number? Uh, what, what do you know about that? Well, look, obviously, the result was not what we wanted, um, and, and I wouldn't want to speak for Speaker Johnson or the leadership team in the Whip's office in terms of what they were dealing with. What I will tell for the average viewer out there who's probably frustrated, and I understand it, remember that the three guys who voted no had all publicly said they were going to be mm-hmm. a no, the three Republicans, I mean, because mm-hmm. they don't believe it rises to a high crime and misdemeanor. Now, what that means mm-hmm. is, is that 212 out of 215 Republicans in the U.S. House believe that the current Secretary of Homeland Security should be impeached for violating his oath of the Constitution and endangering the American people, leaving our borders wide open and not following the law, lying to us under oath, etc. Three didn't quite get there. We really would have had the numbers if Steve Scalise could have been present, who's battling cancer, but he's doing well, I think, and but he's down at MD Anderson in Houston. So we really technically had the votes. We just didn't have Steve. I think there was some assumption that there might have been a Democrat or two who weren't who weren't in town who ultimately ended up being in town. Um, I don't know. I'm not in there in the thing, but we do. We technically we have the votes if you count Steve uh, in the mix, and we're waiting obviously for the outcome of the uh, Santos election next Tuesday. The the, the special that replaces them in the New York seat and the uh, Kevin McCarthy special in April uh, and Bill Johnson, Ohio. So we have three seats that we're, we're still having to replace. So, so that's, uh, you know, long and short of it, I expect we'll probably bring it back at some point when we know we've got the numbers in the chamber, but I thought, I think they thought they had it and then, you know, it just didn't happen. So we'll keep moving, moving forward. Uh, he should be impeached to demonstrate to the world that, uh, that he deserves it and shouldn't get away with what he's doing, but we got to keep going forward with the issues the American people care about and, and handle that in due course. But your your read of this is that they might have thought they had the votes because I was trying to understand otherwise. Why would you subject yourself to a, a, a failed vote as a as a party and allow the Democrats to take a victory lap? Uh, what tactical purpose would there be for that? But you're saying you think maybe they thought this math was going to work out 
one vote differently? Again, I don't want to speak for the leader or the whip, and I don't want to speak, you know, in negative or positive connotations about it. It is what it is. I'm disappointed that we we fell short and it was a tie. Um, and it was a tie. By the way, it shows that there were four Republican no votes. Uh, Blake Moore from Utah voted for it, but he mm-hmm. had to switch his vote right. in order to preserve the right to reconsider the measure. So just, you know, everybody should know that. But uh, look, I, that's my guess. I don't think there's any logic for bringing it forward if you didn't think you had the votes. Um, I think they thought they had the votes. I think they thought that either Dem wasn't going to show up or maybe one of the three, they thought they could flip, but they didn't. And so, uh, you know, they're going to have to bring it back up when they know they've got the votes. If Steve's in town and we have all the numbers we had there last night, well, then we've got the votes. People are pretty disgruntled. I'm sure you're hearing this, Congressman. I mean, this this deal with the Mayorkas vote, the Senate border deal, uh, the, um, you know, the failed vote on Israel aid, um, it, it's not, to put it mildly, it's not ginning up a lot of enthusiasm for Republicans, and it's not looking good, in my opinion at least, for the Republicans to hold that majority this fall. I believe the majority uh, in the House is going to rise or fall heavily on the presidential election and turn out, uh, you know, therein. And I believe, therefore, if uh, if we rally the troops to win the presidency, we will rally the troops to win the House. There are, uh, you know, a number of things I've been outspokenly frustrated about uh, uh, over the course of the year and not getting things that we wanted to get done done. Uh, but you got to keep in mind, it is a very thin majority with a Democrat Senate and a Democrat White House. If we do nothing else but frustrate the Democrat agenda and try to hold spending in check, well, when we're at least doing that, um, that's not you know how I roll, right? I've been here wanting to get change. We were making changes last year. We passed a good border security bill, a good defense bill, seven appropriations bills uh, out of the body, ten out of committees onto the floor. Uh, we had held spending in check with some caps, not as good as I wanted as you and I talked about last May, but you know we had caps in place. That is actual solid incremental improvement. Seventy-two hours to review bills. We were we were restoring the process. It went off the tracks. I'm just not going to lie to you. It went off the tracks in the fall. number of people have fought for that. But here we are. Everything we're talking about is playing on our side of the field. We're not talking about amnesty right now, right? The Senate bill didn't talk about amnesty. The Senate bill was all focused on what they viewed as border security and then about 250,000 visas and 250,000 work permits. I opposed it. It was not a good bill. I still oppose it. Just know we're moving the needle by getting this stuff to being talked about on our side of the field. For all the listeners out there, I know they're listening to this going, I'm tired of that. When are we going to get a win? Well, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to seed the ground so that we do not have again what happened in 2017 happen. When Donald Trump comes in and we had a total mess and we didn't get everything done because the House of Representatives wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to fight to move everything to where we've got the tools in place that when we have a willing White House, a willing occupant of the White House, we can go mobilize and fight. And in the meantime, maybe we pluck off a few wins along the way um, and pass some bills that we can try to put pressure on the administration on. So we'll keep having these debates. The spending bills will come up in a few weeks. We still got to deal with Israel. We still got to deal with holding the line on Ukraine. Look, we have held off Ukraine. We have held the spending at least right now to the CR levels. Not good enough for me, but, you know, it, it ain't increasing. So, yes, it, it might still. So we're, I'm throwing everything I have at it as a conservative, 
Republicans, mm-hmm. frankly, they're more united than it looks like. It's just a really thin majority, like I mean, paper thin. Uh, it only takes three people to disagree on anything, any two people, and things go haywire. So uh, trying to work it through. Um, let's talk for a minute about the border. With breathtaking yeah. speed, there is a new narrative, right? The narrative has been flipped to now it is a crisis, and it's the Republicans' fault. Well, yeah, uh, that's exactly what they want to do. Um, it was purposeful. The entire effort by Democrats, it's why Mayorkas blessed the deal. It's why the White House was fine with it. It's why Democrats were largely supporting it, like Chris Murphy, liberals, very liberals who want open borders. Uh, and they were working with, you know, Kristen Sinema, who's, you know, an independent who wants some border security, but was willing to take stuff that I wouldn't take. And then a couple of Republicans who were just trying to get to a deal. But at the end of the day, uh, the people spoke because a lot of us exposed what was in the bill, like myself, Mike Lee, and others. We demonstrated that it wasn't going to work. And so now Democrats have nothing left to do but try to blame Republicans. Uh, that's what they wanted to do. They want to take the light off of Biden's incompetence. But our job is to just point out that it was Joe Biden that's done this. We passed the bill last year, last May, that would secure the border. It would actually work. It's still sitting in the Senate, and they haven't brought it up. They did this because they wanted Ukraine. They wanted war money for Ukraine. $118 billion with a B of unpaid for money for Ukraine, Israel, uh, Taiwan, and other expenditures, plus the border security money, which would be used primarily to process more migrants. So, it's a, it, you know, they want cover. We shouldn't give it to them. It's Biden that's created the crisis, and we're going to keep running on that. And I think, I think, you know, assuming President Trump's the nominee, which seems likely, he's going to make it clear that Joe Biden is the one who owns this crisis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. How strongly do you feel about, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about the need to really audit and review the money that has gone to and is going to Ukraine. It's not from people that are rooting for Russia, but there is a a strange, strange zeal to throw everything in that direction. And we already know that's a regime with a lot of question marks around it. I'm talking about Ukraine's government. So do we have enough oversight of that? Do do we need more of that? So... Uh, I don't believe we have as much oversight as we could have. I got legislation added into the National Defense Authorization Act last year, uh, which actually was in the end preserved in the final. It was one of the few things preserved in the one that finally got adopted uh, in December from the Senate uh, that that added an inspector general uh, to give us more feedback. But that takes some time to implement. One of the problems we have is that we don't have as much of our personnel there as we normally would have in the in the sort of danger zone. So. Uh, but we need to have more auditing. We know the money has gone to pensions for citizens there that work in the government to pay for employees. We know the money has gone into oligarchs' pocket, pockets corruptly. Uh, it hasn't been all focused on lethal aid. That is stuff we know we need to do. This is one of the reasons why I oppose, you know, an additional $60 billion in funding. Uh, and frankly, the biggest problem we have here is we're funding a war where we don't even know what the mission is, right? Mm-hmm. Is the mission reestablishing the entire boundary as it existed before Russia invaded two years ago, right? Is that getting Crimea back and Donbass back, all of that area in the eastern side? Or is it just a sovereign remaining Ukraine where Russia keeps those particular provinces uh, or areas within Ukraine? Um, we don't have a mission there. Is it getting, you know, they want to get uh, Ukraine intact and then add them into NATO? Well, now you put Ukraine into a NATO alliance where we've got agreements with NATO in terms of we respond to attacks on NATO. It gets very complicated very fast. What is the mission? 
Uh, none of us want to, you know, help or see, you know, Putin uh, advances and what he's been doing to people in Ukraine be rewarded. Uh, but we also have to figure this out in a way that will get this to peace, uh, stop the bloodshed, uh, figure out the next step forward and stop sending, you know, our good money after bad, allowing it to be spent corruptly or wasted into funding pensions or other ways over in Ukraine. Amen to that. And Congressman, appreciate the time with you as always. Thanks for making time for us. Hope to talk to you again soon. You too, Jack. Take care. Bye. All right, Congressman Chip Roy on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line. You've heard that Donald Trump wants to give Bud Light a second chance. And you've heard that maybe Ronna McDaniel is quitting as the chair of the Republican National Committee. Jim Garrity at National Review posted these statistics. Listen to this. When Ronna McDaniel became the chairman, Trump was about to be sworn in. There were 52 Republican senators, 246 Republican members of the House, and over 4,200 of the 7,400 legislative seats around the country, about 57%, were held by Republicans. That's what she inherited. Today, Biden is the president. There are 49 Republican senators, three fewer. There are 218 Republican members of the House, 28 fewer. 4,022 of the 7,400 state legislative seats are Republican, 54% instead of 57% held by Republicans. The RNC has $8 million on hand. As of the beginning of this week, according to federal filings, that is the lowest dollar figure in their account since 1992, adjusted for inflation. The Democratic National Committee has three times the money right now that the Republicans have. So I would suggest that if Ronna McDaniel was running your company, your company would be frantically interviewing her replacement. I would suggest that Ronna McDaniel would be replaced in just about anything. I don't think she'd be in charge of a, of a group of moms who volunteer at the school library. She has presided over decline and failure. She's actually done, I would argue, more damage to our cause the things you and I believe in, whether you consider yourself a Republican or you don't, I don't. She's actually done more harm to it than a lot of the people who have sworn to take up arms against it. In other words, she is worse for the Republicans than most Democrats. I'm not saying she's a double agent, because if they had a double agent in the Republican Party, they'd want a more competent one. In fact, the only thing I can think of that's keeping Ronna McDaniel where she is right now, and you're going to hate me for this, but I'm going to say it because a lot of you are thinking it, but I'm in a position where I can say it, so I'm going to say it. I think she's in her position still and remains to this minute because she's a woman. She, by the way, brings that up every time the chips are down or the heat gets turned up. But she's incompetent. And the political party that's making fun of Kamala Harris 
should take a look at the person running their affairs right now. I, that's what I think. Now, you can have at me. You can call me anything you want. It doesn't change these facts, courtesy of Jim Garrity at National Review. Uh, there's an uh, interesting story in the news about jobs and jobs that require college degrees. Um, let me start here. Commonwealth of Massachusetts has decided, through an executive order of their governor last month, to, when they post a government job, they are going to put strict limits on college degree requirements. Instead, they are telling state agencies, by the way, to give you an idea of how big Massachusetts government is, it's the biggest employer in the state. The state government is the biggest employer in the state. They're going to um, tell state agencies to focus on skills, knowledge, and abilities instead of educational credentials. And it turns out that this is a trend in the private sector as well. Uh, a number of big American private sector companies, Walmart, Accenture, Bank of America, Google, IBM, and others, have announced that they are reducing requirements for a college degree. They are either posting jobs that don't require one or downplaying the degree in the list of job requirements. Now, there's two ways to look at this, I think. Well, I mean, there's probably a lot of ways to look at it. I, I can think of a couple of possibilities here. One is that, well, if and this, I'll give you the positive one first. The positive one is, is this the moment when we realize that going to college doesn't necessarily make you smarter? It just makes you more college-y. It can make you indoctrinated. It can make you woke, but it may not make you smarter. We all know and maybe work with very capable people, very talented people, people that just have a natural knack for that thing they do, didn't go to college. So one way to look at this is, well, you know, like the the Mike Rowe moment has arrived. We're realizing that not everybody needs to go to college. The other way to look at this is, if you think about the the demotion of the SATs and colleges aren't looking at academics as much and they're supposed to make admissions based on, you know, uh, race and gender and lifestyle and social, you know, your social credit score. Maybe this is just, and, and it is coming out of Massachusetts, okay, Maybe this is just some sort of squishy way of making it easier to hire, you know, purple-haired, gender-fluid uh, people that didn't go to college. I, I don't know which of those it is or if it's some of both. But I do know that while I'm not any by any means um, anti-education, we've done something in this country that's just crazy with the over-emphasis and over-hyping of pushing everybody into and through colleges. In fact, don't you think, really, if you want to look at everything from college loan debt forgiveness to unemployable grads with degrees that nobody wants, isn't that all really driven 
by the mentality that everyone should go to college. We, we guilt young people into going. We question their decision or hesitancy not to go. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like a, it, it has, it has the feel almost of a, of a religious belief. There are people that don't believe, but they have to keep it quiet, you know, it's not to be said in polite company. So maybe this is a good moment. Focusing on skills, focusing on experiment, experience, de-emphasizing the college degree. What do you think about that? 210-599-5555. Because my, my first thought is that I'm, I'm, I'm really liking that, unless you change my mind about it. If you look at what's happening around us right now, And it's really the story of our times. People today are making their mark by destroying things, by canceling things, by ripping the names off of things. So we have all this stuff around us that was named for great people or people who were thought to be great at that time. People that achieved something, people that were famous for something. And now the way you make your mark is you take the statue down. You don't earn a statue of your own. Throughout our history, the history of the human race, great men, usually men, have created, innovated, invented. And what made them great was not only the invention or the creation, but it was also the freedom that everybody got to enjoy from that. So if you were Cyrus McCormick and you invented farm machinery, that's great in itself, but the freedom that afforded people so that we could grow food without being tied to the land was even greater. It revolutionized people's lives and people's choices. Creative people make the life of the average person in our civilization better, freer, easier. And then when people are freer, they can do more things, right? They can, they can also be innovators or creators, or they can lie down in a hammock if they want, but the point is they're free to do it. But what we have now are people that are making their mark not by creating... In fact, these people have never created or innovated anything. They've never done anything that was beautiful or useful to other people. They've made their mark by tearing down, canceling, airbrushing out of the history books. They've lived lives of consumption, but not reflection. They say, down with capitalism, and then they type it into their iPhone. And these are usually not people that have ever risked their own money on a business or signed the front of a paycheck. A lot of them who do work, and some of them don't, work in the government. So their job is to regulate and scold other people, but not to create anything. So we're being ruled, and this is our political class too. I'm not just talking about the mob pulling down the statue. Our political class is now primarily people that have never produced anything and don't understand or reflect on the necessity of producers. 
They want us to pay more taxes, but they don't realize that producers are the ones who pay taxes. There have to be producers in order for there to be taxes, in order for there to be government. So we're falling into the arms and the control of people who have neither the talent nor the respect for creators. This is what Ayn Rand wrote about. This is what all of her writing is pretty much about. Um, It's not that all of us or most of us can be a Cyrus McCormick or a Thomas Edison or a Henry Ford. In fact, obviously, there are very few people like that. You just have to know the connection and the value of it and the benefits of how things work. You have to know how things work. And I think that's what we may be missing. If you want to boil it down to just a few words, we... We need to be connected to how things work. We need to know how things work. People that we hire need to know how things work. They don't need book knowledge. They need savvy. Or even, if nothing else, just to appreciate, okay, maybe you can't turn a wrench or drive a truck or fix a flat, but you you appreciate people who can you don't look down on them. You don't think they're dummies or, or, or lunks or deplorables. So I, I'm for anything that gets us moving in that direction. Maybe this is a step. Maybe this decision about eliminating college degree requirements for jobs is a step in that direction. Uh, 210-599-5555. Um, the state of, uh, well, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts following in the footsteps of some other big uh, Fortune 100 companies is demoting uh, and de-emphasizing college uh, degree requirements for 90% of the state jobs and instead uh, directing hiring uh, personnel to look more at other things in the applicant's background like skills and uh, knowledge and experience. Um, is this a good thing? Uh, and uh, how far do you want to see this go, and why do you think this is happening? 210-599-5555 as we talk about that. And Joshua is on the Jack Riccardi Show. Joshua, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Yeah, I actually just got off work. I, uh, you know, I'm a military vet, and I got my CDL to the VA, to the VA and, you know, which... I believe strongly in trades, and um, I don't have a college degree. I do think college is important if you're learning basic fundamentals, you know, if they're actually teaching you something. A lot of these colleges don't teach anything more right now. And, you know, if people are looking at the backgrounds of trades and skills, I think that's really important. I think that speaks volumes to experience. You know, I, I guess the best way I could say it is when people talk about military things and what happens overseas they've never been there i'm like well you're talking about things you've seen but have you been there like no but you don't have the experience i was like there's a difference between seeing and hearing than actually being there and experiencing it and learning from it so you know based on someone who's been driving a truck for years i've only been doing it for eight eight or nine years i still have things to learn but it's a trade that i can use anywhere in the united states Mm -hmm. so I do believe that's so how would you how would you balance like how would you say college is important if or college is important when how would you say that I mean 
I would say college is important if, you know, like my wife, she has a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. She's not doing, you know, she's not actually doing a job that, you know, she wants to be in. And, you know, I think if you're, if you have a degree in a, in a, in a specific skill set, then and people look at that, it should be, should be, you know, important. Like they should look at that and say, Hey, this guy has a degree in exactly the field that we're, you know, we require that is important. Now, if there's a guy that's had years of experience, I think that should be considered too. I'm not sure where you balance out the, okay, this guy has 10 years of experience. This guy just has a degree in exactly what we're looking for. Which do we Mm. prefer? You know, and I think the experience does trump the, you know, because people would come into the military with a college degree and automatically promote, be promoted to an officer. They know nothing about it based on someone who's been there for years. That's why people look up to the sergeants rather than the, rather than the, the uh, you know, the officers, because they're the groundhogs. They're the ones that are, that are down in the dirt. They're the ones that are not pistol yeah. pushed most of the time. So a lot of people look to sergeants for advice or, you know, anything rather than the officers, you know, but it's, it really just depends, I guess, on how you look at it. I don't think a lot of colleges are teaching what they should be teaching, real history, yeah. you know, real fundamentals. And, you know, I don't think any school or any college should be teaching anybody what they think they should, you know, believe in. Right. You know, that's why our kids our kids are going to Catholic, uh, Catholic school. I don't even know if that's safe, to be honest with you. I hope it is. You know, and my, my wife went yeah. to Catholic college, Catholic school. All you got to watch them. Time. Some of them are. Some of them have completely gone over to the to the dark side it's 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 not a it's not like that brand tells you anything like it maybe once did i mean you probably know this from your military experience joshua at one time catholic universities disproportionately contributed to the officer corps to the cia uh, to the, you know that that was because it was considered such a premium educational experience even if you weren't catholic and many weren't but now that's not really an assumption anymore right yes sir I would agree 100. I like your. I like that you mentioned sergeants because I'm a, I'm a history buff, and it seems to me, in every war, when you read the history of every war and every battle, right, it all it always starts out with the generals had a plan and the politicians, and then you send the the privates into battle, the plan goes completely to hell, falls apart, disintegrates, isn't realistic, and it's always the sergeants, right, who save everybody's butt figure out how to either pull the guys back to go to go out again or how to improvise a new plan i mean i'm thinking of like normandy and just anything you read about it it, that it's that it's that kind of person who on paper wasn't going to be in charge but who actually runs the whole show yes sir i mean it's a lot of people don't know anything about history honestly like yes you could go to any restaurant, any anywhere, and ask somebody, "Hey, who did we fight in uh, World War II?" Which is actually you know, <laughs> two different people we fought in World War II. They don't even know that. They don't know who we bombed. They don't know anything. And it's sad. You know, yeah, I, you know, I've told people before, like, like you should really look into your history. You should talk to a yeah. Vietnam vet who actually saw stuff, or you know, right. World War II vets aren't really around anymore. But the Japanese, when we were going over there to fight them, women were jumping off cliffs with their children mm-hmm. killing themselves mm-hmm. because they were terrified about what they told them about us. Right. That we were going to eat right. them and cannibalize on them and all this yes. stuff. And they were scared to death. So if they could do yeah. that to their own people, 
what can happen to us if we allow ourselves right. to just keep going the direction that we're going? Boy, that is a great point. I've never heard it put that way. That is a really good point. Joshua, I'm so glad you called. I appreciate you. I hope you'll call again. Thank you for uh, for your service as well. And uh, just a great, great call, great set of points. Uh, 210-599-5555. Uh, do we still need college? Well, I mean, of course we still need it, but is it a good idea? Are you happy to hear that, uh, those in the hiring business are starting to de-emphasize college degrees in favor of experience, uh, skills? I mean, there's, a, there's another way to look at this, which is that this might be an anti-merit kind of thing. This might be cover for doing race-based or gender-based hiring. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it sound like we're de-emphasizing college, but what we're really doing is just making the job requirements themselves so amorphous and squishy that we can fill the ranks with, uh, you know, diversity, and we can have the doors falling off airplanes. Or maybe this is a kind of a micro step forward where we're realizing that we need people who know how stuff works. We need people who can turn the wrenches, drive the truck, uh, use the tool. We also probably need to confront our love affair, our obsession with youth. Like we, we kind of worship youth in this society. And, you know, Joshua, the, the call we took right before the break, was talking about, he kept using the words experience. It's, it's, a, it's a really great word. But experience takes time. The only way to get experience is through time. 210-599-5555. Walter is next. Hi, Walter. Hey, how's it going? I'd like to uh, make a comment in reference to that, is college required? Uh, I'd like to set the deal here that I'm 75 years old, an Army veteran, and I'm retired. I took commercial woodworking at Fox Tech High School, and I started my business when I was 37. I had five employees, and I, not everybody uh, needs to go to college. There are some people that can't make it. You know, every, uh, the trades are excellent. They, right now, they're in demand, and the only difference between a college degree and a trade is you work with your hands. Uh, a lot of helps if you got common sense. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, for a trade, I, uh, uh, for a trade, you do have to you do have to do it. I agree with you. Um, yeah. what about what about the, what about the kind of jobs, though, Walter, that we're giving to people right now? with college degrees, is it possible that there are people that could do that job, and it's not a trade, it's not a, a, a blue-collar job, but is it possible that there are people that have experience that would be the equivalent of, or even maybe even more valuable than the degree? Uh, the degree, I think, should be limited to lawyers and doctors and mm-hmm. professional people. Mm-hmm. Uh we still need electrician, sheet metal workers, right, auto, right. auto mechanics, right. and woodworkers. And right. that's what I, that school that I mentioned, there was a board member on San Antonio Independent School District, 
by the name of Patty that, that removed all the trades from yeah yeah I remember that yeah and it broke my heart and I and now we're paying the price for it now we're now we're short on all the trades now all those companies are saying we can't even get people even when we need them yeah you're you're right Walter I got to hold you but thank you thank you for the call uh, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five um so I yeah I mean it, it's not it's not the same in every job. And yeah, you don't want, I don't want a brain surgeon who's going to work on me <laughs> on the operating table tomorrow morning and go, well, I didn't actually go to school for it, but I've got a lot of experience with the brain. I, you know, obviously, obviously, uh, we, we will always have higher education. There will always be, uh, situations where there is no substitute for the, the whole process of, coursework, lab work, internships, um, residencies, you know, all of that. But then what I'm saying is in the, in the margins or in the gray areas, which is where most of us work, most of us aren't going to be brain surgeons, um, there was a time when people apprenticed for a job or uh, could, could demonstrate, look, I know how it's done, I've done it, I just don't have this piece of paper, and and we recognized that, and we honored that, and at some point we we got to where the piece of paper took on magical powers. We got to the point where a college degree caused us not to look any further. Oh, you've got the degree. Oh, it's a good school. Okay, and and I think that's how you get people, and it, we see it all the time, and you see it in the news, and you see it in these viral videos. That's how you get people that have reached a level they can't handle. Uh, they got the degree, but they don't have the the sort of persona or the, what's the word, demeanor, mentality, right? 210-599-5555. And then I don't blame kids because you are so guilted and hectored and pushed on the college track that, you might never really ever think about doing anything else. And that's what Mike Rowe has been sort of campaigning for and sort of agitating for for, for a long time. Is like, hey, just hold on a minute. Before you go right from high school to college, are you sure of what you want to do? Are you sure there's value in the degree? Are you sure you haven't looked at other things? Like I saw a list. This was from Indeed.com. And these are the... Um, the best jobs of 2024 is the name of the list. Um, these are the jobs, according to Indeed.com, where you are most likely to be employable, paid, and happy. Number one, according to them, is mental health technician. Number two is loan officer. Number three is therapist. Number four is electrical engineer. Number five, construction project manager. See the mix there? And some of those don't even require a college degree. And all of them pay well above the median average annual salary in the United States. I was surprised. You know what the highest one in that list is? That's It's mental health technician, loan officer, mental health therapist, electrical engineer, construction project manager. The highest one, and it's not even close, 
is loan officer, just under $200,000, average annual salary, and does not require a college degree. I'm not saying you should do that, but how many people are told that or told something like that, told about something like that, right? Uh, 210-599-5555. Richard is next. Hi, Richard. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call, and thank you for what you do. Um, I have three children that recently have uh, graduated from high school. They got their degrees. But I, I can tell you that that's all the counselors pushed was SAT, ACT tests, getting into college, and knowing full well that many of their classmates had no intention, desire, or drive to even go to college. And they thinking that's all available to them. Now, I'm also retired military. And I recall when I enlisted in the military, having to take an ASVAB test. It was not, it was not a pass or fail kind of thing. It just measured aptitude. Um, I'm a firm believer that not to join the military, but these kids in high school need to have that kind of option to be mm -hmm. able to take some type of ASVAB type of test mm -hmm. to see what kind of um, aptitudes they have and push, not push, but offer the trade school uh, options to these kids that have no desire to go to college after high school. They just want to get a job, get their own place, and stop relying on mom and dad. But it's not being pushed in our school systems. The counselors are all college, college, college. You know, where this kid may be a fantastic carpenter or a fantastic electrician, but they aren't given that option in right. high school. Right. And if there, if there was some type of ASFAB type test of equal value, yeah. Yeah. SAT, ACT. Well, I, I will say, I will say, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm not, I'm not arguing with you. There, there is another school of thought that those tests are not, uh, are kind of overrated and they're flawed. But maybe we could agree on this. I, I think at the very least, when you go to somebody for advice or guidance, it ought to be, you ought to have equal, you know, weight given to a lot of different avenues. And as you correctly point out, those guidance people basically just talk college and that's it. Uh, and if you're not going to college, it's like you, it's like you dropped off the, 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 the face of the earth. I, this was even true. I mean, I, I was in, I was in high school a million years ago and even then that was already happening so that for a young person at my high school to not go to college, he or she had to be pretty brave. They had, they had to pretty much stand up to authority and say, no, I'm not going to do this. So you're, you are absolutely right about that, Richard. I was watching an old movie and, uh, these two guys are talking and, uh, one of them says to the other or, or addresses the other as hey college boy he says to him hey college boy and he says something disparaging and, and it wasn't a it wasn't a compliment what the character is saying to the other character is you you're not as smart as you think you are you, you've been to college but you don't know and 
there is some truth to that, just as there's some truth to, yeah, you learn stuff in college. You do come out of college with knowledge. Uh, one of the smartest things I ever heard on this subject, we've replayed it on the show numerous times. You may have heard us play it. But it was a commentary done by Craig Ferguson, the comedian, back when he was the late, late night host on CBS. He did this whole commentary about how our society worships youth over experience. That even when people have experience and should be venerated for it, even they think they need to look younger and act younger and dress younger and be hip and get the cool music and color their hair. And he says every civilization and every society before ours Gray hair, white hair, no hair, age, wrinkles was a was a prestige sign. It meant you'd done some things, you'd seen some things, you had some experience, been there, done that, right? He says our society worships youth. And we we think that youth is so valuable that it's the most valuable thing. Now I'm not saying youth is bad, but it doesn't deserve the highest pedestal. And that's kind of what we do if you think about our culture. And and so maybe this discussion is part of that. Somebody that's been in the field has something to offer. Somebody that's been around has something to offer. Somebody that's served in the military. And my experience with people like that is that you can put them in a lot of other things in the civilian world, and they're pretty, most of them are, are pretty great to start with because they got such a well-rounded, you know, kind of uh, preparation from that military career. I'm talking about retired military. I'm not, I'm not talking about a guy that does two years. I'm talking about a guy that's, or a gal that comes out of it, like, you know, in their 40s and they're retired. Now you're going to make them a teacher. Now you're going to put them in a management position. These people thrive. But they might not have the degree. It's just a different kind of value that they bring. So what we're talking about is that uh, the state government of Massachusetts has announced that they're de-emphasizing degree requirements for hiring in state jobs. Other private sector companies like IBM and Walmart are also doing that. And what do you think about that? And Omar is next on KTSA. Hi, Omar. Hi, how you doing? Good, thank you. Right. Yeah, I have a, obviously, uh, like everybody else, I have my opinion on this, like everybody Everybody has a belly button and everybody has an opinion. So my opinion on the subject is, um, yeah, I think uh, especially today's day, uh, the college degrees are venerated, if uh, any other other words uh, can apply. Um, Yeah, there's uh, there's many jobs that I don't think that a college degree should be a requirement. I think, uh, in my personal opinion, I think uh, experience should over-precede uh, a college degree. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't say that there's no jobs that doesn't need it. Right. Um, like, like you mentioned, a, a, a surgeon, a brain surgeon, an engineer, and let me, right. let me make a, an emphasis there, and I need to make a, 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 a rebuttal on, on a, the very first scholar. I don't remember his name. I also was in the military, and I was an enlisted as an officer as well. And uh, there's a reason why they require 
um, a college degree for officers. Um, the reasoning that not always apply, I have to say that, um, is that supposedly you will think that a college degree, you have a critical thinking on that mind coming in mm -hmm. young mm -hmm. and, uh, versus, versus uh, an enlisted. Now, by the time you made the rank of a, an, an NCO, which is a sergeant, yeah, you, that you have developed that. So that you can see a parallel there. And I leave it there. So I just wanted yeah. to include that on my comment. Yeah, uh, part of I, my comment I agree. Also, a part of my comment also is that a lot of people uh, think that everybody must go to college. I think you mentioned this uh, a minute ago. No, not every college is not for everybody. Not right. everybody needs to go to college. No. I'm a, yes, I'm, a, I'm a, a product of college. Yes. And as I say, I was enlisted. I started to the bottom. My parents pushed themselves and tried to push myself to go to college. I have a master's degree. I'm an engineer. But that doesn't mean that it's for everybody. And I right. think I would be happy in any other job. Just I was lucky enough. But no. Right. And then to my kid, I did tell her she, do, she doesn't like college. She doesn't have to go. But she, right. she needs to make something for for her if it's possible for their country and for the benefit of our society if it's possible not just yeah. to make money that should i think that's great i think that's great advice i think that's 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 what we should be saying as parents as guidance counselors as teachers i think that's what we should be saying well said omar good to have you on our show thank, thank you. you thank you for thank calling you. later in this hour the results on today's jr poll powered by river city oral surgery does bud light deserve a second chance should you be forgiving? Donald Trump says so. And according to some on the left, if you're a Trump supporter or you've ever voted for him, that means you're part of his cult. So, of course, you're going to totally agree with everything he says and do whatever he says. You're guzzling it down right now he, because he says so. I don't know. I don't think so. Not I'm not with him on that one. I, I, I'll applaud a lot of other things, but I think he's wrong about that. Anyway, we'll talk about it. 210-599-5555. Indeed, the job website came out with a list of the uh, best jobs for the year, 2024. And interestingly, many of them do not require a college degree. Uh, some of the best-paying ones do not require a college degree. A number of Fortune 100 companies have quietly uh, announced that they are reducing the emphasis on college degrees for positions they list or eliminating the college degree requirement for corporate Roles, Walmart, IBM, Bank of America, among those. The Commonwealth of Massachusetts, by executive order of their liberal Democratic governor, Maura Healey, is going to take the college degree requirements off of all but about 7% of their job listings for state jobs. So uh, that's the trend. Uh, what do you think about that? 210-599-5555. And Tony is on the radio. Tony, welcome to the show. Good evening. Hey, Jack. Uh, Long-time listener. Uh, well, I'll, I'll keep it straight to the point. To the point. Uh, I've been in IT for like 30 years. Uh, professionally, Being that means I get paid for it. Uh, and about five years ago, about 2018 circa, 
uh, I got an opportunity to say, hey, you want to come teach at the local college, you know, because of your experience and whatnot and, you know, you know, computer building, computer repair, data recovery, and all that stuff that I've been working with. So I said, sure. And then they started with the whole, hey, you need a degree. You need an associate's degree. So, okay, how do I do that? I mean, never been to college, never had the opportunity. Schools was for fools. That was the mentality, blah, blah, blah. So I started this journey for five years, and they keep moving the goalposts. And uh, the one that really bit my boat was when I was finishing up my course, and they said, hey, you should be able to get an academics and science degree. And then they're like, oh, all the workforce degrees that you did before uh, don't apply. So you still don't graduate, and you still burn through 90 hours worth of financial aid. And uh, I'm still making 60K a year. <laughs> so hmm. I don't know. I don't know where it is. And I always keep getting the, well, if you had a bachelor's, you could get this other position. Oh, if you had a this, you can get this other position. But then again, mm. then why are you people asking me for yeah. insight? Yeah, I was wondering that too. I mean, they, it sounds like if I understand your story, first they looked at you and said, you'd be good at teaching people. Then they said, but you got to have these degrees. Well, why did they think you would be good at teaching people before they knew whether or not you had degrees? Well, let me give you the kicker. This last summer, I actually started writing the digital forensic courses <laughs> for the college. You're uh, writing uh, the courses I, that other people will courses. teach. Well, uh, that's what I thought. And then they kind of said, well, we're going to need you to teach them. So I'm like, oh. okay, so now what? They're like, now you need a bachelor's. Oh. And then they're like, well, while you get the bachelor's, you might as well just get the, get the master's. And I was like, oh, no. no. Uh, this is, you know what? And then I got the... A small little caveat like hey you need to get this bachelor's in three years if we hire you so i'm like so i'm gonna give 20 22 years of tenure at my previous at my current job making 60k to go over there to make 10,000 less uh and with a caveat of three years for a bachelor's and if i don't get that i lose a job and it's like you know what my whole world comes crumbling down i'm like yeah i'm more towards like i'm getting closer to retirement than it is to me to start an adventure trying to enlighten minds and right. stuff like that Right. Uh, and uh, like I tell everybody, I, I try to preach the, 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 the doctrine, not the doctrine, I try to preach the, the theology, I guess you could say, of uh, training versus education. It's like in the industrial age, I can train you to pull a lever mm -hmm. and to push mm -hmm. a button. But yep. as an education, I can educate you on why you're pulling the lever and why you right. have to push that button. Right. You know? Right. And, uh, yeah. and, and everybody goes with the, what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? It's like knowledge you can learn. Wisdom you have to experience to earn. Yeah, you know, yeah. Makes a lot I think you've got your head screwed on straight about this, Tony. I think you're, I think you're looking at it the right way. Uh, don't let them move those goalposts on you, right? Oh no, I, I, I told everybody, look, my house is paid off. I'm debt free. I don't know anything. I got, you know, I got money saved in the bank uh, without go. a degree. You know, all of this was all accomplished without the degree, as they say. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it can be done. You know, just there you go. Keep looking. Thank and you, Tony. That's my, that's my yeah, opinion uh, on that. I just wanted to say, thank you. It's possible. Yes, sir. Right, I think you're right. Thanks for the call, sir. Appreciate you. Appreciate your listening. 210-599-5555. Let me get one more in here. Robert is on the radio. Hi, Robert. Hi, Zach. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Listen, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm of, the, of the mind that uh, a college education is really overrated unless you're doing a professional job. Uh, you know, doctor, lawyer, whatever. But, uh, you know, and I, and I use the, uh, the analogy. If, uh, you want to go to work for Boeing and work on one of their air, aircraft, they won't even talk to you because you don't have experience. You don't have a degree. So where do you get the experience? 
you go in the military. The military mm-hmm. teaches you where else can you go work on million-dollar airplanes with no experience. They teach you. You get mm-hmm. out. You go to work at Boeing. You still don't have a degree, but you got mm-hmm. four or five or eight years' experience, and they'll hire mm-hmm. you in a heartbeat. You can get anything you want at, at, a, at mm-hmm. a company like that. My daughters both went to college. Uh, one is in the Navy. I was in the Marine Corps and the Coast Guard. My other daughter went to China to teach English, and she found out she had a, a knack for languages, and she's a, uh, uh, a uh, translator at the UN. The other one is in the Navy working with uh, nuclear propulsion, and she was a meteorologist, and they told her no. Meteorology, when they, they, gave, they gave her the ASVAB, they said, you should be in nuclear propulsion. They sent her back to school. She uh, was paid as an E-5, got out, went to OCS, and, and is now an officer, and she's leading people. Also, in the military, they, they also send you to, uh, in the Coast Guard, uh, when I was in E-5, they, they made you uh, go to Junior Petty Officer Leadership and Management School. When I was in the mm-hmm. E-6, they mm-hmm. made me go to Senior Petty Officer Management School. So you do get taught things there. Yeah. You know, you yeah. got world experience, you know, and schooling. So, in my opinion, the military is the place to go. There you go. You, you've convinced I mean, you're me. Making, you're making money, and 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 you're learning a trade. You're learning yeah. something that yeah. that's important. And and this country needs needs our people. And as you point out, th- there are places where that experience is uh, is respected and and understood for what it is. So, like Boeing. So that's a, that's very good. Very good, Kate. Absolutely. Having you. Um, I, I, and, and I thank everybody that called on this. I know not everybody got on and everybody got through. Um, I, this is obviously, we're not going to get to the bottom of it and, and there's a lot more to it. I, I guess it's, I guess generally I'm glad to hear that, that we're balancing or, uh, rethinking what was a decades long obsession with pushing everybody into and through, uh, colleges. Uh, the the question I started this with is the question I think we're left with: Are they are they pulling it back and de-emphasizing it for the right reasons, which many of our callers have uh, explained better than I can, or are they just pulling it back because college uh, might be too hard for the kind of diversity that they want their ranks to reflect, and that there will be people they'll want in their diversity ranks that can't hack it, won't go, and, you know, are too delicate or whatever. The college isn't safe enough. It's not woke enough. So they'll, this could be a way of just getting people into the, the workforce who previously wouldn't have even got the interview because they didn't have the degree. I hope I'm wrong about that, but I do kind of find myself wondering about that. I just couldn't talk about Washington anymore today. I don't know if I can even do it tomorrow. I, just, I know that's the the mother's milk of talk radio, but it's such a it's such a mess. It's so broken and dysfunctional, and you're not missing anything. And I'm not believe me, I'm not leaving anything out. You would really need to know about. Yeah, <laughs> you go home tonight. So just we just decided to take a little take a little breather from that. It was 60 years ago today. Interestingly enough, that the so-called British invasion happened. The Beatles. Arrived their jetliner touchdown at JFK and NYC. Oh, why don't you please sing something? No! 
Sorry. Next question. Yes, we've got that you can sing. No, we need money first. <laughs> How much money do you expect to take out of this country? Uh, Something. Uh, Ten dollars. The question here. The question here. Go ahead. Don't worry, Nick. Cut that crap out. Cut that crap out. Cut that crap out. Hey, Murray. Is that a question? Yeah. What do you think of the comment that you're nothing but a bunch of British Elvis Presley? Oh, it's not true. It's not true. <laughs> Does all that hair help you sing? What? Does all that hair help you sing? Definitely, yeah. Oh my goodness! Wow, these are. I'm beginning to wonder, Don Cooper. We complain about the news media. That's a. Those are the stupidest questions I've ever heard. (laughs) I don't. You know what? Maybe it's not. Maybe maybe we're in the golden age of journalism. For all Uh, I know, I mean, those are. That's the number one media market in the country. Those mm -hmm. aren't scrubs, right? Those are people that work for. Networks and big time radio and television. Something. all that hair yep. help you sing. If you ever notice when you watch that video, how old the uh, news press is? Yeah, they're not basically. Young. They're, not, right. they're yeah. not young at all. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like they just had no idea what was in front of them. At they the didn't time. know what to do with it. Yeah. It was very I mean, awkward. We, you know, there's something we, they've never we, seen. Before. We didn't know. We didn't know that because we'd never seen it. Um, and now we liken. Now we liken every new star or uh, you know phenom to the British invasion. So even if you're too young to remember this, you've had your version of this. You know, this is the, this is the Taylor Swift obsession right now, or. You know, whoever, if you are a different generation, you know, Michael Jackson or what have you. So uh, I, um, I, I will say this. I, when I think about the arc of the Beatles' career, and now when you look now, right, now the surviving Beatles are 80, and um, now the people listening to their music are, you know, basically mature, seasoned citizens um we we never know when when something new comes along we can react to it in the moment and we can decide we hate it like it love it whatever but we don't know the arc that it's going to follow i mean imagine if you will what will taylor swift's fans who will they be what will they be in x number of decades what what music will she be making Someday she'll be on a stage getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. You know? Hard to imagine. There is somebody I like to watch on ESPN, Mina Kimes. Uh, she's a NFL commentator on ESPN. I really like her. Uh, she's smart. She's funny. Um, she's easy on the eyes. But I, I do like what she does and what she says. And I will stop if I'm walking by a television and she's on. I will stop. She has a theory about Taylor Swift and the anger that people have at how often the networks feature her on the television. So having told you that I I like Mina, I think this is a bonkers theory. See what you think of this. She was doing an interview, a podcast or something, and she said... um, that she relates to it because she was a woman that had to break into sports television. She was, you know, when she started on ESPN, 
the other NFL commentators were men, and she's sitting on a set, and she's the only woman, and she knew that they were looking at her like, what are you doing here? And she knew that viewers were looking at her like, why is there a woman on this panel talking about the NFL draft or the playoffs or whatever? And um, she says, I think the backlash is that people are annoyed with the idea of others being allowed into that space. She said, I don't think most men who watch football games are really upset by the fact that they're showing Taylor Swift for two seconds. I think they're upset with the idea of what it signifies. Oh, other people are now being allowed in here, or the product is being diluted in some way. Says the woman who is on the NFL shows and is widely respected by the viewers of those shows, most of whom are men. In fact, I guess what I would say to Mina Kimes, if I could talk to her, was, do do you know who Phyllis George is? Don Cooper, you know who Phyllis George is. Of course. When did Phyllis George uh, start uh, showing up on CBS NFL coverage? Would that have been the 70s or the 80s? I believe in the... 70, late 70s. I think of the 70s, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so before Mina Kimes was born. This isn't new. Women on sports broadcasts is not new. We're not reacting to Taylor Swift because she's a woman. I've heard this excuse from other people, too. Oh, you don't mind when they show Jack Nicholson at a Lakers game, or you don't mind when they show Spike Lee at a Knicks game. We all know this is different, and we know why this is different. Don't don't insult our intelligence. And I love Mina, but don't insult our intelligence here. This is clearly like a script, okay, that is being followed by the NFL and its media partners. There is no there is no way I believe when they show celebrities at a Lakers game or a, 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 an NBA game or a whatever there is no way I think that was scripted. I think that was, if you will, um, more like situational. Oh, look look who's here. That's how it feels as a viewer. I strongly suspect that's how it's handled as the, you know, in the production truck, okay? Whereas, and I'm not complaining about it, and it doesn't bother me, and, and so I'm not saying this from a position of complaint, but don't tell me, that there isn't something very programmatic and planned about the Taylor Swift coverage. Okay, just give me that. You can do whatever you want. You can put her on you can put her in the corner of the screen the whole game. I don't care because I either want to see the game or I don't and I I'm I'm not a, a delicate snowflake. I can withstand seeing her. But let's be honest, it's marketing. There is some kind of arrangement. There may even be some exchange of money. There is a strategy here to broaden the footprint of the NFL. It probably is uh, communicated to the sponsors. Hey, there's going to be more of an audience because Taylor Swift is going to be in the box watching Travis Kelsey. You can be sure that as they are able to measure that audience impact, they will charge for it. And that right there is the proof that this is business. Whereas nobody thinks a quick shot of Spike Lee or Adam Sandler is somehow enhancing the ratings of or the marketing of that 
NBA game. No one thinks that. So I, all I would ask, I know there's a lot of people saying a lot of outrageous and crazy things. All I would say is let's just be grown-ups about this. You guys are involved in a business proposition. You have every right to do it. And if it's not hurting you or it's actually helping you, you're going to keep doing it. We know that. We know why you're there. We know We know what this is. So for the record, I I don't care if Taylor Swift is at the Super Bowl. I haven't cared that she's been at all Travis Kelsey's games. Um, I like the Kansas City Chiefs a lot. Um, I think he's overrated as a player, as a spokesman, as a celebrity. Uh, I have nothing against Taylor Swift. I don't know what the deal is between them, and I don't care. It's none of my business. But here's what I do know, because I work in the media. Here's what I do know. This is a business consideration this is a business arrangement this is a marketing call it guerrilla marketing or non-traditional or whatever you want to everybody involved here knows what they're doing and the money that it potentially involves and that's okay in fact it's being copied in the nhl And the NHL is not where I would have expected this to show up next, but I thought this was interesting. I don't know any of these people. I read this on OutKick, and I I, I like hockey, but I can't I can't say I follow it closely enough to to name like players or like I couldn't I I probably couldn't name more than four or five members of the Boston Bruins, my hometown team, at this point. But I just don't see the games. You know, you have to watch the games to know the players, and I don't watch the games anyway. There's a young guy on the Columbus Blue Jackets named Cole Sillinger. He's a good-looking guy. I'd never heard of him. He was dating a Canadian singer named Tate McRae. Never heard of her. She's a pretty girl. They're both 20 years old. There's a, I guess, a influencer or blogger that reported over NHL All-Star Weekend, where Tate McRae performed, by the way, that Sillinger dated Tate. She was out of his league. Then he cheated on her. And her career took kind of, kind of got a, got a bump from that, from the coverage and the, you know, gossip about it. And then she got invited to perform at the All-Star Game, but but Cole Sillinger was not good enough to be chosen for the All-Star Game. So this is like if Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey break up. Like good for her, not so great for him. And then the reactions to this, so Cole Sillinger dates, cheats, breaks up, and Tate McRae gets to go to the All-Star Game. The reactions to this are hilarious. There are people taking her side, taking his side, saying leave them both alone. Uh, You know what it is, and this I think is true whether you talk about the Beatles or 
celebrities today and celebrity today is mechanically very different obviously like the way you were a fan of the beatles back in the days of the british invasion you were a fan if you listened to them on radio if you bought their records and maybe if you caught them on a television show like ed sullivan right today there's an entirely different access system and means of accessing people you're fans of it's totally different but here's what's the same if you listen to young people that were young fans of the beatles or elvis or michael jackson or now taylor swift they believe they know these people i don't mean the music or the words to the songs i know him i know her that's the, the the great sort of deceit and conceit of of celebrities. We think we know them, you know. You have a favorite movie star because you think you know that guy or that that gal, and you you know they're good people, or they're cool, or they're kind, or they're they'd be great to hang around with. That's just. You know, and it's okay. It's harmless. I'm not, I'm not criticizing any of this, but you think you know them. You know, you, you've watched them. You've seen them. You think you know them. These people reacting to the hockey player and the singer, they don't know them, but they know them. Right? I know he cheated on her. I know she was too good for him. I know he didn't need her. By the way, hockey players, I, I was thinking about this last night because Somehow reading this story reminded me of when I would go to the hockey games at my college, and it was kind of a big deal. Hockey was like the big sport on that campus because it was up north. It was the football of that school. And the hockey team was nationally ranked, and they played in tournaments, and a lot of the players played in the Olympics and went to the uh, NHL. We had a ton of guys from Boston University that were on that 1980 uh, Miracle on Ice team. Anyway, um I remember noticing when I was on the campus back in the 80s, the the hockey players scored the best-looking girls. The hottest, most amazing uh, girls. I'm not even sure if they were students, but these guys. And, you know, hockey players, you know, they, they, get, they get kind of battered and beat up, and they might be missing a tooth here and there, but they had no problem in the dating department. No problem at all. I uh, So I suspect this guy, this Tate, what's his name? Cole? No, she's Tate. He's Cole. Cole probably does all right, with or without Tate. <laughs> but this is, the, I, I predict you're going to see more of this. It's like cross-promotion or cross-marketing. So, you know, I, I could see where, and, and by the way, it doesn't mean that the actual relationship isn't true. It might be. They might really be a couple or, or not. I don't know. But, but all I'm saying is whether they are a real couple or a head up couple, this is a business marketing, broaden the footprint, bring in new fans, does seem to be working. As long as it's working, they'll do it. If it doesn't work, they'll stop doing it. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not worried about it. I don't know why people are. 
you got bigger stuff to worry about. You're like if you're if your take on the election, I, I'm going to say something here that probably will insult some people, and I've been doing it all through the show today. So why stop now? If your take on this election is that you're worried about Taylor Swift's influence on it, I'm not sure that you and I can be friends. Because <laughs> here's what I mean. I know she's a big-time Democrat and lib, but do you have any idea how much we have to worry about in terms of the integrity of this election? Do you have any idea how out of it the Republicans are in terms of catching up to the mechanics of the election? I mean, if you're worried about the integrity of it, the the um, reliability of it, you're right to be worried. But there are many, many, many more things that will impact that that are not being dealt with, the Republican Party is not prepared for, doesn't have ground game for, that the Democrats, by the way, do. There are so many things, if you want to be worried, you should be. She is not it. Her somehow coming out and endorsing Biden, and yes, she probably will, I'm already expecting that, not the thing you should be most worried about. It feels kind of lazy if that's your your take on it. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's, she's gonna she's gonna come out and flip the election to buy. They're, they're believe me, they've got this covered. They're not worried. They're not waiting for her. They've got this covered. I said it yesterday, and I I stand by this. I I watch him and I watch the Democrats, and they seem like people that know they're going to be okay. That's the thing that should worry you. If you're going to worry at all. Not that you should be a worrier. 210-599-5555. Don't worry, be happy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, honestly, you, you can't, you can't really think that. Uh, there's so much we didn't get to today. Hopefully we'll have a chance to get to it, uh, tomorrow. I did see there's an airline, Fin Air, obviously Finland that uh, came out this week and said they're going to start collecting weight data on passengers and on their carry-on luggage. It's for safety to balance the aircrafts. Because aircraft always have a weight estimate. They estimate the passenger weight, the luggage weight, the cargo weight. It's part of what goes into the the calculations and, I guess, the fuel and all this stuff. But... um, Thin Air says uh, they're actually going to start collecting weight data, and everybody flipped out and freaked out. No, it's body shaming, and it's I'm going to sue. And they said, no, 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 no. It's it's voluntary. Customers will be asked. I guess in the I don't know where in the gate area, wherever it would be. Customers will be asked if they are willing to be weighed and have their uh, carry on weighed. Desk agents will collect the data. We only use it for average calculations required for the safe operation of our flights. This is not linked in any way to the customer's personal data. So if you're like, if you're a frequent flyer with Finnair, you're not going to be, they're not going to be putting your, putting your current kgs on the uh, on the profile page. I don't know. I um, it sounds like a sounds like a reasonable thing to me. Doesn't, doesn't sound that terrible to me. I. I I said this a long time ago. I think at some point in the future, 
all the stuff that you are embarrassed to talk about and you you want to keep private, um, all kinds of people are going to have it and know it, and you're not even going to know how they got it. Someday you're going to be someplace where they're going to know your weight, and you won't even know how they know it. I think we're just coming to that. I think we're, I think we're 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 the frog in the boiling pot of water, and we don't realize it. You know, we carry around a device that we see as a convenience, but to the rest of the world, is an information portal, and we we routinely give that device in our hands access to and info about us that most people, maybe not you, but most people do without even thinking. And the day will come when you'll get on a plane and there'll probably be some little number in the corner of your electronic ticket that has your weight. And you'll be like, how did they get that? By the way, I don't know. I just know they're going to have it. Thin Air is just telling you how they're going to get it. That's the only difference there. They're just putting it out in the open. On the JR Poll today, powered by River City Oral Surgery, the question was, does Bud Light deserve a second chance? 88% said no. 12% said yes. And Donald Trump had written on Truth Social that uh, Bud Light is a great American company. Well, Anheuser-Busch is a great American company. Not true, but... Um, and they deserve a second chance. The cynics will note that Donald Trump is doing a fundraiser with the chief lobbyist for Anheuser-Busch in a few days. So, you know, could be connected. I don't know. Uh, We've got a new JR poll tomorrow when we get started live at 4 o'clock. You can find this show live at 4 or anytime as an on-demand podcast. Go to KTSA.com, pull down the on-demand menu, or just look for The Jack Riccardi Show in the places you like to get your other podcasts. And have a good night.